Good morning, everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Let's try that again. Good morning, everyone. Okay, I just got to make sure that you're awake out there before we get going here. All right, uh, welcome here uh, this morning. Uh, want, before I get going here, uh, Twyla was planning on being here. Twyla Morgan is our children's ministry director, and she was planning on being here uh, and encouraging you to come and sign up for our VBS program. Unfortunately, she wasn't feeling well today and couldn't be here. Um, she was going to have sign up uh, in the foyer where you could go and connect with her directly and sign up. She's not able to do that, and so she just asked, uh, if you're interested in signing up, could you please uh, just connect with her via email? Her email is twyla at westwoodchurch.bc.ca, uh, uh, or, or give a, us a call here uh, at the church, and ah, I shouldn't have said that. You'll see why in a minute. Uh, at the office, and... Uh, and you can connect with her that way. I really encourage you uh, to sign up, though. We still are in need of some volunteers for that. All right, so that's uh, one thing. Uh, the other update I wanted to give you before we get into it is that uh, Rose and Niall, uh, have are now in Syria. So thank you to all of you uh, who supported them. Uh, I, I think that the final total of people that had given to it was around like fourteen, fifteen thousand $15,000. And so pretty amazing uh, in one week that this church generously came up with that to help support some of the earthquake relief stuff that they're doing over there. Uh, so thank you for your generosity. Please, please um, keep them in your prayers um, as they're over there. May, may God guide them uh, to the people that uh, they specifically are called to help because there's so much need. Um, and they just asked that we would pray that God would lead them to the right people, um, and also just pray um, just for their safety, uh, and, and, and that uh, it would just be, and also just for them, because it's their first time back in Syria since fleeing as refugees, and so they, they felt like that was going to be a challenge for them. So pray for them. Uh, you can also pray uh, for myself, and I'm taking uh, a couple of our elders, plus Keith, uh, who just led communion, uh, his family will be coming with us, and we are going to connect with some of our church planning partners in Thailand to, to kind of uh, see how we might deepen uh, that partnership. And so we're leaving actually uh, Friday for that, and so you can uh, please be in prayer uh, for us as we do that too. If you're a prayer, we would love, love uh, for you to pray for us. Uh, and if you want to know some of the ways uh, how you can do that more specifically, uh, please come talk to me. But the biggest thing is just that God would give us uh, the, the discernment to know how we better partner with them and that God would help us to just deepen those relational ties with our church planning partners there in Thailand. Yeah, so with all that in mind, we'll let that be. Today we are going into a new series called Church? Question mark. And uh, we are going to be wrestling with this idea of what is the church. Although this particular series, uh, we are going to be uh, focusing a little bit more on uh, what it is not. Okay? In, in North America, can church kind of Christian culture, there's a few kind of temptations that we fall into as the church uh, that maybe actually are not so helpful. 
They're, they're, they're not so helpful in that if, and sometimes it's good things that we just kind of take to an extreme that make them not good, and sometimes it's just maybe something that's not all that good to begin with. And so we're going to talk a little bit about some of those traps that we sometimes fall into um, and, and what we are actually called to be uh, as the church. Uh, and that's why uh, I kind of made the comment earlier when I said, call it the church. I was catching myself because this, <laughs> this is not the church. <laughs> this building is not the church. In fact, if this building were to burn down this second, we would still be Westwood Church. This is a building that we happen to meet in, but it is not the church. Okay? So that, that's the first thing. The building is not the church. And often, uh, even us as pastors, as you just saw me do, uh, we actually sometimes use language that actually reinforces that mentality, and it's not good because this is not the church. Sometimes uh, we think this is the church. When we're all here on Sunday morning and we're singing praise, and we even say, uh, this morning I'm going to go to church. And Church is not something you go to. It's not something you attend. Okay? Church is something you belong to. Okay? Church is actually a community of people who are following Jesus together. That is the biblical understanding of the church. So, even if we didn't have this building... And even if we didn't have regular Sunday morning services, we could still find a way to be the church. In fact, uh, the church all over the world is in situations where they, are, they cannot meet publicly for fear of persecution. They do not have a building, and yet they are flourishing as the church, seeing many people come to Jesus, many people choosing to follow him, living on mission together, all these things that make the church the church. They are still living out some might argue even, more effectively than us, despite not having a building and despite not being able to meet on a Sunday morning to have services. Okay? So that is not the church. The church is a community of Jesus followers seeking to follow him together on mission with one another, in community with one another. And yes, worship, gathering together and worshiping together is a significant aspect but it's not the whole enchilada, right? And so we want to talk a little bit about, so then what is the church and what are we called to? What are we to be about? And so this morning, I want to go to a passage in Isaiah 58 where God, through the, through the prophet Isaiah, is speaking to the Israelite people and saying to them, what's the deal, guys? You seem, you, you act like you, you're, you're really interested in, in knowing me, but there's something not amiss. You're going through all the right religious rituals, as we'll see, but something is amiss. And so uh, let's go there together. Uh, this morning, I am actually going to be using the message, which is not a direct translation, it's a bit of a paraphrase, 
And sometimes I like how the message writes stuff, and sometimes I really don't. But this morning, the way that they use, uh, the way that uh, Eugene Peterson writes uh, Isaiah chapter 58, I think is like really good. And so I want to share from it this morning. Uh, but you can follow along in whatever translation you have uh, this morning. Uh, we're going to start right at the beginning, Isaiah 58, right at the beginning of the chapter. This is what it says. Shout a full-throated shout. Hold nothing back. A trumpet blast shout. Tell my people what's wrong with their lives. Face my family Jacob with their sins. They're busy, busy, busy at worship and love studying all about me. To all appearances, they're a nation of right-living people. So, in our context, we could say, for all appearances, they're a church of right-living people. Law-abiding, God-honoring, they ask me, what's the right thing to do? And love having me on their side. Okay? So, first of all, I, uh, we're going to stop there for just a second. First of all, I want us to recognize this. Trumpet blasts in the Old Testament were a call to action. Isaiah God, through the prophet Isaiah, is calling his people to action. He's saying, look, you seem like you want to do the right thing. You seem like you're actually interested in being in a relationship with me, but something's amiss. The trumpet was often a call to war, actually. It was often a call for everybody to gather together and get ready for battle. So, God is calling his people in this to action. That's the first thing I want us to see. The second thing is, you probably heard of the phrase, busy, busy, be busy worshiping. We can be busy, busy, busy worshiping together, studying the Bible, learning all about God without caring about what He does. Seem, it can seem that we're really concerned with the things of God without actually having, adopting the same heart that he has. So what, what is that heart? What, what is it that uh, we could be missing here? It continues. He says, but they also complain. Why do we fast and you don't look our way? Why do we humble ourselves and you don't even notice? Well, here's why. The bottom line of your fast day is profit. You drive your employees much too hard. You fast, but at the same time, you bicker and fight. You fast, but you swing a mean fist. The kind of fasting you do won't get your prayers off the ground. Do you think this is the kind of fast day I'm after? A day to show humility? To put on a pious long face and parade around solemnly in black. Do you call that fasting? A fast day that I, God, would like? So he's saying, going through the religious rituals, that's not what it's about. If it doesn't lead to having the same heart as God. So what is the heart of God? Well, he tells us, verse 6, this is the kind of fast day I'm after. To break the chains of injustice to get rid of exploitation in the workplace, to free the oppressed, 
to cancel debts. What I'm interested in seeing you do is this. Sharing your food with the hungry. Inviting the homeless poor into your homes. Putting clothes on the shivering, ill-clad. Being available to your own families. Do this and the lights will turn on and your lives will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. The God of glory will secure your passage. Then you will pray and God will answer. You'll call out for help and I'll say, here I am. See, the reality is this. If we truly love God, if we're truly seeking after Him, the love of God should always lead to loving others. If this doesn't lead to us loving and caring for our community, for the people in it, especially the poor and those in need, those who are being taken advantage of, if it doesn't lead to that, then what's the point? We've missed the point, in fact. Because we, as, as followers of Jesus, we are to be purveyors of shalom. Shalom is often translated as peace. And I love the way that Ross Hastings defines it. He says it like this. He says, shalom is creation and humanity in its proper relatedness to God and one another. So in other words, shalom is when we, when we have right relationship with God, we have right relationship with our fellow human beings, and we have right relationship with all of creation. We are its caretakers as we're called to be. And we take care of it properly. We care about creation. And we're not about exploiting each other, or God's creation for our own selfish gain. We are meant to join Jesus in being purveyors of shalom in our workplaces, in our communities, in our neighborhoods, in our city. Because here's the reality. Being part of the church should lead to transformation. Should lead to a transformed life. Because the whole, the whole idea of being part of the church is that we as followers of God are, are meeting with one another and meeting with God so that our lives begin to be transformed and reflect Him more and more. See, this transformation leads to right relationship with God and others. If this is nothing more than coming and singing some, so, some nice songs and listening to a pastor speak and judging whether they did a good job or not, we might have missed the point. Right? That's not it. It's not it. If it's just to come and consume a religious product week after week, no, that's not it. It's not it at all. I'm not saying that this gathering is bad. It, it, it's, it, it's, it's, it's good that we meet together. 
It's just that it should lead to our own transformation and the transformation of our communities. It should, it should make us want to go out. And, and because we've experienced the love of God, it should make us want to go out and, and have others experience it as well. I recently, uh, I recently read this book called The Fourth Place. And this book, is, it's really, really fascinating because it talks about how the church, and it's talking specifically about how the way that we use our buildings and the way that we gather on Sunday, it has sent the message to the rest of our culture that this place is a fourth place. Now, a fourth place is a place where only select people go to do select things. Think country club, right? If you're not a member, you're not invited, and if you show up, people aren't happy about it, right? Because you don't belong there. Well, in a lot of ways, our culture feels their mentality about, about the church has become that the church is a place, like this building and this service, is a place where holy people go to do holy things. And since I'm not a very holy person, I don't belong there. We've become a fourth place in a lot of people's minds, an exclusive place. And that's why you even get expressions like this. And I've heard people say this here, unfortunately. Oh, that person will never darken the door of our building. Well, what are we saying? Their lives are too messed up to belong here. Or they feel like their lives are too messed up to belong here. I mean, what? Broken people felt the most at home with Jesus. Hurting people felt the most at home with Jesus. If that is how our community feels about us, I don't know about you, but I am not okay with that. That breaks my heart. That that's the mentality that the majority of our society feel when it comes to the church. Not that we are some transformational force for good in our community, but that we're a place where holy people go to do holy things, and since I'm not one of those, I don't belong there. want to continue a little bit in the passage. Isaiah keeps sharing God's message with his people. He says, if you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims. Wow, that's a powerful one. Quit gossiping about other people's sins, especially in the form of prayer requests. Ever guilty of that one? Uh oh. If you are generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, your lies will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lies will be bathed in sunlight. I will always show you where to go. I'll give you a full life in the, empty of, in the emptiest of places. Isn't that a beautiful phrase? I will give you a full life in the emptiest of places. Wow. 
firm muscles, strong bones. You'll be like a well-watered garden, a gurgling spring that never runs dry. You'll use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. I mean, God, isn't God brilliant at that? Taking the brokenness of our past and, and redeeming it and using it for something good and amazing? Wow! Listen to this. Rebuild the foundations from out of your past. You'll be known as those who can fix anything. Restore old ruins. Rebuild and renovate. Listen to this. this, I love this line. Make the community livable again. Wow. If you watch your step on the Sabbath and you don't use my holy day for personal advantage, if you treat the Sabbath as a day of joy, God's holy day as a celebration, if you honor it by refusing business as usual, making money, running here and there, then you'll be free to enjoy God. Oh, I'll make you ride high and soar above it all. I'll make you feast on the inheritance of your ancestor Jacob. Yes, God says so. Powerful, powerful passage. See, here's the reality. Social concern is to be a way of life for God's people. Not something we dabble in, not something we volunteer in a project once a year to do. A way of life. In fact, do you know that the early Christians were actually for the longest time, just called followers of the way. Followers of the way, that's what they're known of, of of the way of Jesus. They were followers of the way of Jesus, of His way of being, of His way of caring for people, as His way of loving for people, as His way of doing the right thing. Here's what the passage is getting at. True Worship leads to mission, and true mission leads to worship. It's this beautiful cyclical thing. Like, if we come here together and we meet, and the the Holy Spirit is just really meeting with us, and we just feel the Holy Spirit in our worship, and we know that the Holy Spirit is with us, and we feel empowered and bold, and we're like, yes, Jesus, we want to go with you and join you on mission and what you're doing in our communities. We want to see you at work. We want to see you transform our neighborhoods. And then we begin to see God do that. We, do, we begin to see transformation and hear those transformational stories. And we're like, wow, God, you're amazing. So we worship him again. And then when we're worshiping him, we're like drawn back into like, well, let's go do more mission. And then we see God at work again and we're like, Poo, we need to worship this God. He's incredible. That's how it's supposed to be. Just the cycle of worshiping God, joining Him on mission, worshiping God, joining Him on mission. And before you know it, they just become like this. They're just so enmeshed. And by the way, joining God on mission is a form of worship, so there you go. But that's that's what the church is meant to be like, this beautiful rhythm of gathering together, worshiping God together, and then going out and joining Him on mission together. And then And then saying, wow, God, we love you. Let's gather together and worship our God because he's incredible. 
It's never meant to be just going and participating in religious rituals. The church is much more powerful than that. It's Jesus' chosen instrument to bring shalom more and more to this world, to this broken world. Like, how beautiful is that? Like, we, you remember, if you've ever read the Lord's Prayer, one of the the lines is that, uh, God, may your will be done on earth as as it is in heaven. That's what we're supposed to long for that our communities look more like the kingdom of heaven, that we see God's will done more here, today, right now, in Prince George, in 2023. And I'm not just saying this as like a chastisement, because I want to say this, Westwood, I have seen this happen more and more here. And it's encouraged my heart. I've seen us more and more go out and join Jesus on mission. I see it happening at the apartments. We've seen more and more that community more and more transform and reflect God's kingdom. I've seen it um, through the lives of many of you. And so I'm not just saying this as like a kick in the butt. For some of us, maybe it needs to be. But I'm encouraged Westwood. I'm encouraged that I'm seeing this more in us. We are taking this on more and more, but what I'm saying is let's not stop. Let's continue because here's the temptation. We just went through a season where we couldn't gather and do this. And so here's the temptation. Now that we have it back, the temptation is to make it all about this again and to forget that this is supposed to spur us on to going out and joining Jesus on mission. And then we come back and worship together. There's, both are supposed to feed into each other. Otherwise, it just does, unfortunately, become empty ritualistic things we do because that's what Christians are supposed to do. And I believe the churches can be and should be so much more than that. And don't, don't you long for that? And so I want to leave you with this question. Who do we want to be as a church? Who do we want to be as a church? Do we want to be a church that is just all about the Sunday morning experience? Or do we want this Sunday morning to be a catalyst to spur us on into Monday, Tuesday? Wednesday, you get it. And then come back and, and enjoy what God has done throughout the Monday to Saturday and celebrate Him and who He is and then go back and be about His business all week again. I know my answer. I hope, my hope and my prayer for this church is that it would be our answer corporately, that this is the kind of church we want to be. Not a church of presentationalism, that's what this is known as when it's just all about the Sunday and not about anything else. 
It's known as presentationalism. I don't want to be a church of presentationalism. I want to be a church that is part of joining God in transforming our communities to reflect his kingdom of shalom. Let's pray together. Jesus, I thank you so much for what you've done in my life, how you've transformed me in so many ways, and how you are continuing to do so. And God, I thank you for how you are transforming these people and this church, and how you are calling us to look more and more like you, and to join you more and more in the things that you are doing in our neighborhoods and in our city. May, May we continue, God, to be drawn out to show the love of God in practical ways to those in our communities and neighborhoods. God, show us how we can reflect your love more and more and how we can see your kingdom of shalom grow, how we can join you in, that, in what you're already doing to transform our, our workplaces, our neighborhoods, and our city for the sake of your kingdom. I pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.